Morning, church family. How are y'all? Yeah, I like that. Hey, we're going to jump into God's Word. We're going to be in 1 Peter together again this morning. So uh, if you got your Bibles, grab it, pull it out. If you got your Bible app, open to the book of 1 Peter. We're going to be finishing up chapter 3 together this morning. Um, as Derek said, I'm Jake, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm stoked to be studying the Word of God with you this morning. Um, in Sundays, we are journeying together through the Apostle Peter's letter uh, on how to live for Jesus in this temporary home as sojourners. Because our citizenship is in, maybe with some more boldness, our citizenship is in Nice. Well done. Okay, sweet. Uh, So we're citizens of heaven. We're passing through this earthly life, asking God questions like, what do you have for us to learn? What do you want to do through us in this life, God? This letter that that Peter is calling us to uh, endure unjust suffering so that when we do, we can display Jesus as king, so that we can point others around us to him. Past couple weeks, Pastor Derek's been teaching on submission, and that's been super comfortable. Okay, (laughs) we're all in this together, right? Yeah, okay. (laughs) On submission the past two weeks, but it's been awesome because we're called to endure unjust suffering in our interactions with governing authorities, in our interactions with unjust leaders, unjust bosses, employers in our interactions within our marriage. We're called to live out the ways of Jesus, as Pastor Derek said. And as we'll see this morning, in the remainder of chapter 3, as we live out the ways of Jesus, as we believers, as faith church family, we are called to be a blessing. We are called to be a blessing. And we get to go and do that in just a couple of weeks, down in Dallas, just like Derek was saying, and hand out generously some goods to our fellow community. We are called to be a blessing. We're going to look at that this morning. So this morning we receive encouragement from Peter who transitions from his section on being a community of submissive followers of Christ to the more bleak reality of suffering that is all around us and that we are called in to to endure it. So let's buckle up. As we embark into the discomforts of living a life of submission in difficult times. Let's check out these much-needed encouraging words that Peter has to offer for us this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 8 and we're going to go through the end of the chapter here. And I'm going to pause in between here so we can kind of parse out what's happening in each piece of text here, so bear with me. We'll get through it all, starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Remember Peter here, he's writing to the dispersed exiles, the believers who are scattered, right? Those who are suffering away from their comfortable homes, their comfortable lives as they knew it. This is his audience. 
He knows that they are disjointed and they're living uncomfortably. And so as one of the commentators that I read this week said, Peter huddles the family together. And he encourages and he says, believers, Jesus followers, come around. Wrap your arms around each other. Keep up the unity amongst yourselves. Continue on. Be sympathetic and empathetic. Be compassionate and loving towards each other here, church family. Because in so doing, within our own believing community, you may be so empowered to live that way outside as well. Not seeking revenge or evening the score, Peter says. Instead, bless. Seek blessing. Earlier in Peter, we were called to bless God. While in this section, Peter urges us to bless others. Especially those who persecute you. The unjust rulers and employers. The difficult spouse. Peter is saying that a Christian community is called to be a blessing. Period. And as kind of like a perk to living out uh, called lives of blessing people, Peter says that you may obtain a blessing as well. That's awesome, right? It's a reward. We get a blessing. Thank you, God, right? No doubt Peter's recalling here in a section out of one of Jesus' greatest sermons ever preached, the Beatitudes, right? He's pulling from this out of memory. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You will receive blessing. Because honestly, for me, when suffering comes about, hopelessness quickly seeps in. And I often lose sight of the goal. I lose sight of what I'm in this for. Who I'm in this for. For it is for God that I endure these hardships. Peter reminds us. For it is for God that I endure suffering. He is my hope. The story goes way, way back in the cave, deep in the darkness, where the light was just barely showing off the walls from the entrance of the cave. There he sat, hiding from the outside world, the impending doom that was closing in closer and closer to his hideout. The king and the king's military were out searching and hunting for him. They were on a mission for murder. David sat hiding in his cave with his elite force, those closest to him. David had just been anointed and called by God to be king of Israel. And Saul, the current king, hated this new plan that God had for his people. This little shepherd boy was going to be the king of all of God's people. This one-time giant slayer is going to rule. Saul despised David and sought to kill him. He knew David couldn't run forever. 
So we find David in that deep, dark cave under great threat of his life. And we see David penned from his heart the words that we find in Psalm chapter 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Not only did David from the Old Testament with his mouth and his pen bless the Lord in that cave, but he also got the opportunity to bless his enemy, King Saul. In sparing Saul's life twice during this manhunt on David, if you're familiar with how the story goes, David was faced with the opportunity to kill Saul twice throughout this time. Yet both times he spared Saul's life. And instead, the first time he took just a little cut off of the coat of King Saul. And saying, hey, I could have, but I didn't. I spared you. Next time Saul was sleeping, I took a helmet and a spear. David blessed his enemies. David blessed his persecutor. And that is what Peter is getting at here when he continues in verse 10 of chapter 3 in his letter, when he uses the words of David from Psalm 34, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Church family, be encouraged. Be encouraged because Peter is referencing David, a man suffering in a cave, in an uncomfortable environment, away from his promised comfy life and royalty that was to come. David chooses to submit to God, enduring the suffering turning away from evil and choosing to do good, seeking and pursuing peace. The same God that delivered David lives within you now. Peter continues on in verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. We get two key words here in this section, fear and blessing. Fear and blessing, they're the two topics that are being addressed here. Who do you really have to fear in this life if you are passionate and you're zealous for what is good? We can see throughout Peter's letter and, and elsewhere throughout the text of Scripture that we are to fear God and God alone. Submission unto God. The commentator Kent Hughes, he says it this way, a Christian ought have a proper fear of God without succumbing to an unhealthy fear of human authority. Living out a proper fear of God actually results in a proper respect for human authority. The one who fears the Lord will be delivered from his fears. He who fears the Lord will be delivered from his fears. And then blessing is brought up. 
Fear and blessing. Blessing is brought up again in verse 14, the second time in this section. Suffering for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. For a people who lived as exiles in Peter's time, this encouragement would have stuck. It would have been lasting. For righteousness' sake, during your suffering, you will be blessed. Fear not. Because ain't nobody or nothing going to harm you. And it should be lasting for you and I today that we cling to this truth. Even Paul says in his letter to the Romans, if God is for me, nice. If death is the biggest threat that we have on the table, no worries. Because death just simply brings me closer to the God that I love. I mean, if we really took the passage of Scripture here, if we really lived out what Peter is declaring here, have no fear, don't be troubled, is there nothing that no one could, uh, there is nothing that no one can fear. This is the fact. So go, believer, be bold. There's nothing to fear. Honoring Christ the Lord as holy. In everything that you do, in everything that comes out of your mouth, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Be bold and go. Verse 15, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, within Christendom, we, we love to use this, ber- this verse to, to prove the need for apologetics, right? The defense for our faith. This is a good verse to use for that, absolutely. But I believe that more importantly, the context for what Peter is really getting at here is not necessarily to defend our faith alone, but to explain to anyone who is questioning the why behind our suffering. To have a reason for the hope we have amidst our suffering commentator said, people will be wondering how we patiently endure the unjust decisions and the treatment of those in authority over us. They'll be wondering. And then when they ask, we can explain the reason for the hope that is in us. What are those two key words at the end of that verse? Somebody shout it out. Yeah, nice. Thanks, Pastor Derek. (laughs) (laughs) with gentleness and respect. I was talking with Trevor at the door just like, I don't know, 12 minutes ago, right? These words we often forget, especially when we're thinking apologetics, defending our faith. With gentleness and respect, offer this great piece of hope for the world around us. Those who direly need Jesus is their Savior. And also, don't just go around expecting to get better treatment than Jesus received when He was suffering and He had to answer questions. Our reward will come. Our blessing of the life that is to come is our hope. Our hope is found in Jesus. 
Verse 17 and 18, we continue on. For it is better to suffer for doing good that if, if, that, sh- oh, if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Jesus suffered one time for all. The sacrifices being made in the temple at Jerusalem at at that time had been repeated over and over and over again. Christ's sacrifice was final. His perfect sacrifice through which all people in all ages may find salvation. This is the good news of the Gospel that Christ rescues sinners like you and like me through the death, the life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what's stated here in verse 18. In ascending order, Peter's laying out clearly that Christ is victorious in this last part of his chapter 3 section. Christ is victorious is the main point. Understand that. Peter says, Jesus suffered once for sins, being put to death in the flesh, and then made alive in the Spirit. And so we finish up the chapter in verse 19. In which he went, Jesus went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him. Now in here, there are some difficult verses. There's some difficult verses in this, this last section, and we're presented with a text that leaves us with some questions. If you have just glance over it real quickly, where, where is it in verse 19 that Jesus went? What, what did he proclaim? And who are the spirits in the prison that are hearing this? And is baptism salvation? These are great questions. And they're questions that have been thoroughly addressed and thoroughly debated throughout history among dudes that are way smarter than I am. Okay. We certainly don't want to jump into a difficult passage with difficult verses and just make it say what we want it to say or interpret it to what most makes sense. That's the wrong route to take. I think the right route is what many scholars have said, and as I've studied this section, I'm just taking from their big brains, right? And so, in this section, it it is to stay true to the context first. The main theme that Peter is talking about here, start from the knowledge that we have, the knowledge that we already know, We know that Peter is writing to us, encouraging believers to persevere, to continue suffering well, because the God who vindicated Jesus will vindicate you as well. He will sustain your faith until that day. And you will be victorious because Christ is victorious. 
And he's sitting next to the Father in heaven, having dominion and power over all. He is sovereign. He is in control. Jesus is victorious. But Peter also knows that in suffering, there's a danger of getting lost in the fog. There's a danger of getting lost in the fog of suffering. This uh, past week, um, I was taking Tobias, my oldest, four years old, down to a preschool. And we, we drive this route like twice a week, all the time. He knows the route like by heart. Oh yeah, now we're in Monmouth. Oh yeah, okay, I know where we're at. Yeah, oh, we're almost home. Oh, we're almost to school because I saw this thing and that thing. He's very observant. He sees what's happening, okay? Well, if you notice this week, that there was like one or a couple days where we woke up, we got in the car, and the fog was like dense and soupy. Like 10 feet in front of you was like, you know? And so we're driving along, and Toby asked me this. He says, Dad, where are we at? And in his, in his uh, preschool way, he says, I can't know this place. <laughs> Dad, where are we at? I can't know this place. The fog confused him from his usual understanding of our route. Likewise, amidst suffering, you might enter a spiritual fog that renders you discombobulated. Lost to where you were heading. I think of the disciples, I think of Peter, who were foggy after Christ died. And they were stuck in that room in fear. The fog of suffering, they lost sight of what they were doing and where to go. What they needed was to see the risen and ascended Lord in all of His glory. Once Jesus rose victorious, they were encouraged and the fog lifted. So let us be encouraged, church family. For Christ our Savior is victorious, and you and I will one day be as well. We may not fully grasp where Jesus went in this text, as it talks about in verse 19. We may not fully grasp the the, the baptism which saves in verse 21, but what we can know is that the text is intended to encourage us, the reader, with this undeniable truth. That in the end, those who are in Christ will be victorious. We can be assured that the faithful ones will get through the waters of this life. So stay the course. Keep on going, believer. And so in reflection of this morning's text, and if you have questions about any of it, go and study it. You guys got your Bibles in front of you. Go this week and and look at it. Go to commentaries and study it. God wants to speak to you through His Word. But in reflection of this passage this morning, I want us to ask ourselves silently where you are now, okay? A couple of questions. What do you need to focus on in your call to be a blessing? We are all called. It's not just the fancy pastors, right? No. No. We are all called to be a blessing. Is there a person in your mind that God is calling you to be a blessing to? Maybe someone who's hurt you. Someone you'd say is your enemy.
And then what encouragement from, from Peter in God's word did you need this morning? Maybe you're in the fog. Maybe you're lost and you're discouraged. Maybe you've forgotten that you are victorious through Christ. And that He alone will sustain you. Today, this week, lean on the Holy Spirit as your encourager. And Christ as your sustainer. For Jesus gave it all. Jesus suffered once for all that He might bring us to God through His death and resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, for giving it all so that we might have life. Thank you, Jesus, for being there with us always. Through the fog of life, through the fog of suffering, may we suffer well. God, and in our suffering, may we bless. Lord, help us to bless. May we not leave this place, Father, without an understanding of where you have for us to go next, who you have for us to bless, how to walk faithfully as sojourners in this life, imitators of you. Help us to be more like you, Jesus. Thank you for your word in this place. Thank you for your sacrifice and your love. We pray these things in your name. Amen.